So welcome back once more to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. This is going to be another creator interview. So your host as always, Alan, owner and operator of Coffee and Heroes. I'm delighted to be joined by Keith as always. Hi, are you? Yeah, can't complain too much. Good to be back to a click and collect scenario from today. But we're going to ignore all that and we're going to jump straight in. So I always like to throw in a little bit of a, an intro for who we're, who, who's good enough to chat to us, shall we say. So I massage the ego a wee bit. Always puts them in a good mood, which is never a bad thing. So... Sometimes in the comics world, it's great to hear both sides of a story. You know, towards the end of last year, we had the pleasure of chatting to Rodney Barnes, writer and co-creator of Philadelphia, and thoroughly all-around good guy, or so we think. Now it's time to hear the artist's side. Jason Sean Alexander is an artist who is amongst the most highly regarded in the industry, having worked for both of the big two, as well as Image Comics, Dark Horse, and Oni Press. Think Spawn, Empty Zone, Marvel Zombies, Batman, Abe Sapien, and of course, Philadelphia. A title that has been highlighted on pretty much every reviews podcast we've ever done, and for good reason. One of the most dynamic and terrifying depictions of vampires in years, it's no surprise that a live-action adaptation is in the works. Although Rodney wouldn't give up details, maybe Jason can let a few things slip. Outside of comics, his skills have been utilised in storyboards and pieces for independent and short movies, motion comics for major movies, and held many art exhibitions showcasing his unique style. It is our absolute pleasure to welcome Jason to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Hello, sir, and how are you keeping? Hi, thank you. Uh, that was, you're right, that was incredibly nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want that introduction as my ringtone now. I, I will, See what we can do for you. I will organize sending it over to you. That's not a problem at all. I mean, it, it must be a surreal year for you, you know, with with the success of Philadelphia as well as other projects intermingled with the current status of the world you know how, how have you coped you know adapted to lockdown restrictions work and life in general i suppose basically the last year has kind of felt like running like in like a world war ii movie or something like just running through the beach the bombs exploding everywhere you know around you but you just got to keep going forward <laughs> so uh an exercise in tenacity <laughs> that's a that's a really really good way to put it i think we can i think we can all empathize with that and of course i mean we we we, we love to to interview comic creators and and your role is is as an artist but you're you're much more than a comic book artist you've got art exhibitions and other media projects but with this with this medium specifically have you always been a have you always been a comic guy have you always been into comics when, in my late teens, when I was around 16, 17, uh, is when I discovered, really discovered comics. And yeah, man, from that point forward, uh, it's just always been my first love. Uh, even my fine artwork that exhibits, you know, in, the, in galleries, it's still, even even the abstract elements of the paintings, like it, there's, my paintings are still narrative in nature. And, uh, and it's just because I love... I love telling a story and I love art that tells a story. I love art that is just something beyond an aesthetic, you know, which is, I love the fine art because I can be vague and I can get to just play with texture and paint and all that. But, but bringing people in, like really bringing them into your art and like, it, I, so far I haven't been able to, to really beat art accompanying story. You know, I love them both together so much. And I was just so, I was just so away, you know, it, as a teenager, you, you're basically, you know, you're shown that, oh, you can draw. You can basically make budgetless stories from here on for the rest of your life. You know, like, you know, you can draw a space scene, you can draw a desert scene, and the only difference is, you know, ink. 
you know, like, so I just, uh, it's everything, it's every, when I discovered comics, it was like a, a missing link. You know, I'm 17 in the 90s, and all of a sudden, Todd's, uh, Tom McFarlane's Spider-Man comes out. And from that point forward, my world is shook. I didn't know comic art could look like that. Uh, I was like, I, every page just floored me. And I'm like, this, this is, this is exactly, you know, this is amazing. And and it just throughout the years, like, he was, I was, he was the first artist I ever really ate. You know, like, I, I copied Todd's style like nobody's business. Uh, and then as you, you know, keep reading comics and, and get exposed to other things, then I found books like The Crow. And then I, you know, The Crow kind of, um, The Crow showed me a mature side of comic storytelling that I didn't know existed. At that point, it was all excitement and Spider-Man and, and you know, and incredible stuff. And once I read The Crow, that opened up, that introduced me to like the works of Will Eisner and all of that. And it was like a rebirth. You know, I had just gotten, you know, I just gotten born and then uh, an automatic restart because at that point, I'm like, I just want to tell dark, real horror. <laughs> like, then, you uh... know, from everything from Will Eisner, then, then that went on to like Bernie Wrightson. And, uh, you know, I know those are weird to link up, but. You know, black and white art became an absolute favorite, and I just wanted to do moody comics. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's really funny. I just uh, just a couple of weeks ago finished rereading Todd McFarlane's Spider Man, and uh, it was like rediscovering it all over again. You know, it's funny you mention that because I mean, vampires are a key thing in what we're talking about, and that uh, that run had the Sub City story with Morbius, the living vampire, in it, didn't it? That's right. Yeah. I, I, every Every issue until he left, like every issue of that thing, I just I poured over. Like every break of the of the panel border, every little detail and trash, I just it was it was like it was my job to research that that book. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose enjoying that art so much that led to you self financing your first book, uh, an anthology book, I believe, just after. High school. I mean, you basically did a Kickstarter before Kickstarter existed. You know, how was how was that experience? Yeah, before before you could get online and ask people to just help you out. Um, me and my friends, we we were like, how do we? You know, we had just I'd been on the phone with Diamond, and we were all nervous, and we had just gotten our little black and white anthology book accepted for Diamond, and they were like, cool. And I was like, but we need to really start this, so we need a full page ad. And then they gave me the price for the full page ad. And then when I came to, we needed to figure out how to actually, you know, get the money. So we wound up, uh, I worked at a t-shirt company. And so we screen printed Section 8 t-shirts and we sold those and that got us the money for the ad. And then that gave us a full page ad in Diamond. And uh, and then, yeah, it was just, uh, we were all pitching in weekly uh, to make sure that we could fund the printing and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, there were no web comics at the time. There was no free other than Xeroxes and Staples, like there was no free publishing. So, and we wanted to do it right. So I was, I was, I'm thankful that my first real experience was from the ground up learning, learning the industry, learning the business instead of just being an artist. And I, like, I like knowing everything else because I want to make more creator own things. And I like being a part of the, the industry. Uh, I wouldn't want to just be an artist that gets to like do a thing and then disappear. Like, uh, you know, at that point, we, we knew a lot of 
guys like that. And so if their tables weren't set up at the conventions right, they didn't know what to do and they would start complaining. But, you know, we had our stuff. We, we were uh, surprisingly focused teenagers. <laughs> that's, that's quite a thing to be, Jason. <laughs> so... I mean, you've you've worked for 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 a lot of lot of publishers. You know, you've 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 really sort of done the rounds, and you know, you've worked for 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 the big two and you've and, and Image and so forth. But I mean, the big question for every comic fan: you DC guy, Marvel guy, or have you always been an indie guy? Do you not prefer? I. It's bizarre that I've done more work for DC than Marvel. Uh, I'm absolutely an independent guy, and. And then, but beyond that, like the image guys had me. So I was just, I was a Marvel fan just with, with, all, with those guys, anything like Liefeld, Lee, McFarlane, Silvestri, anything like those guys drew Portacio. Like I was just such an art fan. Um, yeah. And I would just, I would just go after all of that. I've got a big, uh, just whenever anybody went, mentions Wells Portacio, always reminds me of uh, Wetworks. Yes. Uh, oh, what a book. That was, that was such a book, such a book. Visually, the '90s, man, that, and that's where I, I'm. I like, I, I for a lot of years when I really started painting full time, I started uh, kind of not regress, but I started kind of like disowning a lot of the comic book extraordinary things. It started becoming silly to me. I was just like, no, like art is serious, art is real, art is whatever. So I. I feel like I've gone around my own like personal world to come back to where I am now, which was getting over that pretentious bullshit and then coming back to like, you know, what excites you, what excites an audience, what, ex you know, and when you think of books like Pitt or Creech or the Max, you know, I'm just like that. I mean, every time I would turn a page, I would be excited. And, you know, we all have to kind of go through our own journeys. And so I, I, I did all of, the really serious stuff and I still consider myself a serious artist but I can you know take it easy <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we understand you didn't go to any formal art school I, I did a little bit of research and you shared some studio space with Kent Williams I mean how was that experience and was this when you started to fully develop your style right before somewhere around 2000 um I moved I I got stuck with my work uh, I couldn't seem to get better. I couldn't seem to help my, my make my work grow. And I was just, and you're, you're right, I didn't go to school. So I was really just hitting a wall of like, I've, I've hit the top of like looking at other artists. What else do you do? <laughs> so uh, then I started, uh, and I met uh, George Pratt and he uh, invited me or, or kind of explained that all these artists lived in North Carolina, uh, which was uh, Kent Williams, George, um, Scott Hampton, Tommy Lee Edwards, like all these amazing illustrators living in one place. And so I was, I literally flipped a coin with my dad on whether at that point I was 21, I was, I was either going to go to school or go to North Carolina. Uh, and so I flipped the coin and off to North Carolina, I moved. And um, I would say within about a year, just from personal circumstances lining up, uh, Kent and I became really good friends, and then we wound up sharing a studio for about four years. Um, and that was that that broke open everything I was hoping for. Like, uh, you know, it was I was you know I was still taking gigs. He was taking gigs. I was basically getting paid to go to art school. Like, I was just sponging and learning, and you know, and his his paint, especially 
him as a painter. Like he just most everything in in the 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 ground level stuff that I do now. Even not a lot of it is still just directly from him. Yeah, you can't beat that. Like I really got about four years of like hanging out with, and which was great because these were very unpublic critiques. Um, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, you showing your artwork at a convention and a guy trying to be polite and trying to be whatever. But when you're studio mates and you're, you're you know, your best buds, you're like, oh, that sucks. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that's not right. I know what you're trying to do, but this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Shake it off. Shake it off. Um, brutal honesty without exposure. Brutal. Brutal <laughs> honesty. And, uh, and it, I think it made me advance much faster than I would have normally because I didn't, I didn't want anybody blowing smoke up my ass. I, I wanted, I wanted to get better, you know, and I, and I still do. I only want to get, I only want to continue getting better at conveying what I want to convey visually, you know, and, you know, hopefully you never quit learning, but you know, I, I still see room, you know, I still I go back each issue. Uh, as soon as it comes out, you know, I get the comps. I look at them and I'm like, Oh, that panel, what were you thinking with the line art? Like, so it's um, always looking to see if I can improve and make it better. But it was a huge experience and uh, really helped guide me to where I became as an artist. You know, I, th I think that origin story and the story of that coin should be put into the, the new anthology horror series, Silver Coin, that just uh, hit this week from Chip and uh, Michael Walsh. That seems, seems like it was a blessed coin. <laughs> yeah, like the coin flip. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so the circumstances of the last year obviously have been unfortunate to say the least. I mean, but did did everything that's happened has it benefited your work? You know, by being housebound. I know you had mentioned you traditionally have an office you would go to. Did uh, how was that adjustment in terms of you know your workspace and your home space? It's this this last year has probably been the biggest learning experience I've ever had. Uh, and cause it comes down from like, I, I, I am a creature of habit. I love to, I need to kind of keep a thing because art takes so much, you know, effort and focus it's. And so when this first started happening and, you know, no longer the kid, you know, the kids were no longer at school, like they're right here all day. Uh, and my wife works and we're both working. We both wound up having to work out of the house and with the kids and homeschooling it. So there was a whole lot of brick wall I was smacking into at the beginning. Um, and the biggest thing I really got good at is, is being able to pivot and, and, you know, be like water, as it were, you know. Like, <laughs> so, the man's using been... one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> Bruce Lee, like water. <laughs> you, you, like, as much as I tried to steer life into my direction, it wasn't having it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I had to, you know, and so it, it really did. It takes, it took a lot of effort. It took a lot of communication, like communication with my wife got better. My relationship with wife and kids got deeper and better. Like there's been the personal growth aspect of it. And even when I see my own trajectory in my career, has all changed in the last year when you're, you know, you're forced to kind of just be inside. <laughs> like, um, so it's, it's, it's been really, yeah, this life is, it's been kind of a weird mixed bag. Like everything obviously is, you know, we all, we, all, we almost don't have to say it's obviously been horrible, but, um, it's, uh, I have multiple, uh, like 
business and projects that are going to be launching this year and, you know, things that have really kind of like, I spent my time, there was definitely a moment of a few months when, you know, like you realize you haven't really bathed that much or wore pants that much, that kind of a thing. And <laughs> over the last, like, probably four or three months, uh, I've, I've been like, you know, cleaning up and getting back into it. Like had that kind of lull, but over the last couple of months, you know, really been kind of flowing well. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff happening now and we're really just trying to, to make it work. You know, you spend a year getting smacked around, then you finally learn how to fight. And I mean, with regard to that, that side of things, do you miss being able to like engage with the fans on the convention circuit or are you happy knowing that you're crafting a series and, you know, you're able to engage with it a wee bit more in your own time or, and, I mean, has that lack of, of maybe conventions and stuff taken the pressure off a wee bit? Conventions, I love talking to fans. Uh, it always feels like I, when when I say that, it feels like I'm saying I love it when people tell me they love me. I, <laughs> I, what I really miss about conventions is that they were essentially, you know, uh, family reunions for all of for all of us. You know, so I get to see my artist friends I don't ever get to see and, and get to hang out with them at the bar and... and run around each other's tables and trade art and, and and that kind of a thing. So I miss, I didn't, I definitely spent last year when everybody was like, Oh, don't you miss conventions? It's like, no, nah, we're good. We're good. Um, but now I've, I finally, I'm an introvert. And so it took a long time for me to get to this place of, I could use a hug. <laughs> so, I'm like, <laughs> so now, I'm, now I'm hit that place of like, you know, me and our friends are, are there. We're all, first shot vaccinated and so like there's this glimmer of hope of of meeting up with one another for a beer you know and so like it gets me excited now i'm ready to kind of come out of that cave <laughs> i think you can tell us all about that we, we know exactly how you feel <laughs> i mean just on that i mean what was your reaction to san diego comic-con announcing that they were uh gonna do thanksgiving weekend it it didn't seem to go over too well with the uh creative community to say the least <laughs> <laughs> like, like, hey, you know that family you haven't seen for a year? How about you ditch them for another year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone, uh, someone didn't think that one through. I don't think. <laughs> Thanks. What are you doing? Um. Yeah, I would have at least shot for Halloween or something. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't go anyway. But I'm still. <laughs> if they were gonna throw. I'll, my next convention appearance will probably be in 2022. Like, I, 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 yeah, it's just, it's, it seems silly, like, for, for events that basically kind of get people sick anyway, <laughs> like, you know, there's a reason they have a term called con crud, like, you're just around people, you get sick, so, you know, I don't want to be introduced to that kind of environment when we're just ending yeah. up in a, a worldwide pandemic. Makes uh, makes perfect sense. She has in perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, I think for now it's a case of sticking to lots of Skype calls, I suppose. I mean, when we chatted to Rodney, he was telling us some good stories about you guys and your, your chats about Philadelphia. You know, may have said you had a little bit of uh, old married couple syndrome. Oh, yeah. We, we, we always will talk about how sensitive somebody else is and then we'll both get real sensitive if somebody <laughs> says anything to us. <laughs> 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 we uh it just yeah it's that way we um but 
much like with an old married couple. There's there's always something. You're like, why didn't they just split a long time ago? There's just there's that something. And he and I, uh, I'm not a big um, astrology person, but um, he and I share the same birthday. And it, it, like we have a we have so many similarities that it's kind of hard to, to to see unless you've had you know been hanging out for quite a while. But we have a lot of similarities, and I I can see a lot of why we get into things that we get into. But we both have this love, like yeah. No matter what, if we squabble or whatever, like it always comes down to like he's still like he's a great person. So we're just having a miscommunication, uh, and. And the work. We're just so, you know, we really, we really like Philadelphia. So you get like your people that like on occasion will kind of like just start bumping heads and bumping heads. But then like instead of like leaving the room and being mad at each other, we're like, yeah, but we still got this really cool kid. So, like, so let's just keep raising this kid right. Okay, okay. You know, and then we get over it. And then we have a good, you know. <laughs> well, uh, you're uh, yeah. That's a good looking kid, Jason. That's a good looking kid, <laughs> for sure. Thank you. I'm proud of it. I'm proud. Of it. All right. And uh, how? I mean, obviously, you, you can't travel. So, how has that? You know, how has that working experience been over the past year between you and Rodney? Is it? Is it a lot of Skype calls or phone calls or? You know, how does what? Just hop on the phone. Yeah. Like we're just quick. He's he's not. He doesn't. He, he doesn't even live like far from me. We just we were on the phone quite a bit and always texting each other and and so like that. And I honestly like I think like as much as I truly enjoy the old married couple, um, I feel like the last three months uh, and like I said, like kind of coming out of my own like you know depths of the pandemic, like. We really don't. We we really haven't squabbled. I almost felt bad. I was like, "Oh, we're going to disappoint people." <laughs> <laughs> like, but we 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 both started in on Philadelphia, coming from two totally different places. He's coming from a couple of things from Marvel, but still from film, and I'm coming from just you know all of these comics. And we both had such different ways of thinking, and 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 starting trying to work together not knowing each other's industry like there was definitely many many times of butting heads and a whole lot of misdirection and going all over and inevitably it always came down to like this is too good of a book to to drop we gotta um and so we i inevitably think we 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 squabble less now because it's been over a year like we kind of have a thing now <laughs> we finally have a fairly good flow, um, but you know, we still find a reason every once in a while. <laughs> See, it's it's really interesting you say that because you know we've been conducting more and more interviews, chatting the guys in the comic industry and stuff. See, when it came to doing my research for Rodney because of that success in TV and movies, I was really worried. You know, I I, I was really worried about interviewing him and. I looked up a couple of his previous written interviews. They were all short, sharp, succinct answers. And then see when we started chatting to him, I think we were on for about an hour and forty five minutes. It was yeah. it was Great it was fun. the total it was so much fun. It was so much fun <laughs> chatting to him. Like there's a lot of B roll to that, I can tell you. At one point he took a a, a call from his his lawyer and uh, or something. <laughs> I was chatting about like, no, you don't have to go to jail for me. You know, we can only hear one side of the conversation, you know. <laughs> 
you know um yeah it was just it was just such a fun chat he just he's just a really cool guy really cool guy yeah very 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 decent very very nice to, to give us the time but i mean with regard to you know philadelphia the the artists that have been providing some of the variant covers have been phenomenal scotty young neil adams mateo scalera you know, J. Scott Campbell, the list just goes on and on. I mean, do you have a lot of input into that? And are there any particular personal standouts there for you? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to kind of how to kind of start this. But, you know, when Rodney, you know, he when we talked about variant covers, he was like, you know, I, I'm nobody in the comics industry. You know, he's like, but but you have the... It, it took Rodney kind of convincing me or kind of reminding me that I have 25 years in comics and that I might know some people by now. <laughs> so, um, and it just so like, I've always been an artist up to a certain point that has been more favorite of creators. As, and, like I, I had up until, I, and it was one of the reasons I chose Spawn to stay on a book for a couple of years because I, I didn't have like a, a huge fan following. Like I wanted like every every other artist seemed to know who I was and like and liked my work and I liked their work and we had this whole community. But but as far as fans went, like buying books or doing whatever, like that number always seemed to. I never understood it. Like I was like, well, these guys like me. Why don't? Um, and then it just came down to like you know I spent twenty years doing a miniseries, then going off to do an exhibition than doing a miniseries. So I was never consistently on the stands. And so I chose Spawn and I chose two years on Spawn just to say like, you know what? I want people to, you know, I want to start building up that kind of a, a fan base. So that part has been very nice. But we cut back to the 24 years of working and yeah, these are literally all friends of mine. And, and the ones that aren't, I just, you know, I met, I met J. Scott Campbell at the Spawn 300 thing, I think, in, in New York. Um, and we just got on really, really well. And then, I, but yeah, I've, I've known everybody else. This specific arc, the third arc that is about to start, I kind of call my um, where I came from arc. <laughs> so, because we have covers, uh, cover artists, like Dave Mack has been a fan since I started self-publishing. I've known him for so many years. Uh, so we have Dave Mack doing uh, doing the first cover. James O'Barr was just such a, like a, for me, I was just like, this has to happen. I need to have, you know, like Eisner is no longer with us. So I need to have O'Barr on the cover. Uh, and so this arc has James O'Barr, Kent Williams, and Simon Bisley. And all of those guys, I mean, I could, you know, what you can't see behind blue is that there's tons of bookshelves behind me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and those guys kind of run the gamut. Like, you know, there's a whole lot of Disley in there. And there's a lot of Kent, you know. So, like, now we're kind of, once we started establishing getting some um, big names like Scotty Young and Todd and, and everybody to be doing these variants, now we're kind of, I don't know, now I'm kind of exploring and experimenting, but yeah, it's, you know, a lot of years I've, I've you know, I've called in a lot of people. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but it's, you know, you kind of wait for a thing and I think Philadelphia is it. Like, no matter, 
you know, had with, with Rodney and, and, and the the married couple and all that stuff. I'm I'm consistently brought back and excited about Philadelphia because that guy can write his ass off. And and every like I, I've worked on a number of books where I've said, Cool, look at the art. You don't have to read it. Don't worry about it. Just look at the art, you know. <laughs> Uh, Philadelphia, I'm like fully in. I just like read it, read it. You, the, the words are incredible, and he makes me work so hard because I, <laughs> I want, I want so badly, like to 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 make to convey, you know, like, basically trying to direct as much as humanly possible the the Philadelphia thing. Everyone, like, I want the 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 characters to convey those emotions. I want to hit every point when I get to read his script. I wanted to hit like that for people. And so it just, his work, like, I really love his writing. And so it makes me up my, up my efforts. Yeah. I mean, and that, that, I mean, that definitely, it definitely conveys that Jason, you know what I mean? Some of those, some of those scenes in, in Philadelphia are just gut punches and heartbreakers. Like it's, uh, you know, so you, you're, you're absolutely, uh, you're absolutely there. You're absolutely there. Yeah, for sure. Wait till you see issue 13. Oh, we can't wait. We cannot wait. <laughs> I mean, I know it's out May 26th, but I'm not looking forward to it or anything, clearly. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Philadelphia is clearly a labor of love for you, and, you, and you know, the passion comes through. You want to make it your absolutely, absolutely your best work. I mean, are you a one project at a time kind of guy? Is it a case of all my energies in Philadelphia, or did anything else maybe pop up during lockdown where you thought maybe I could maybe work on something else there's uh i tend to work where there's always a priority project a one page a day five five days a week thing and then i have multiple projects that get moved forward inch by inch on the weekends kind of a thing um writing uh i'm in the middle of scripting the uh kind of a reboot or a next launch for empty zone uh and i would like for that for uh for next year for 2020 uh 22 and um but yeah like everything like you know i have my morning where i kind of look around like see the projects go through everything but typically the work day is spent on making sure there's roughly a page of philadelphia done uh that's the deadline that's the thing we're building and all that but the rest like there's there's a convention sketchbook that we're producing for this year there's a, a christmas book of a uh, uh, kind of a kid's book version of Scrooge that I drew um, that we're going to produce this year. And um, then there's a there's going to be a merch line that I can't get into too much about, but I want to launch it by October. Um, that will com be complete with, and it's different from any of the other projects I have going, but it'll, it'll, contain everything from t-shirts to action figures so uh, awesome awesome um <laughs> i kind of just so say I'm that trying, i'm trying the multiple streams you know but like yeah no matter i had to learn that no matter what i have to prioritize and make sure i get my pages done and then everything else i can kind of move along can i just say that pitch for scrooge you're talking about it it reminds me of a book that came out last year earth by garth ennis and on the back of the book, it's it's a children's book. And on the back of the book, it says, from the guy who brought you Punisher and the boys. <laughs> so, so now for you, we have from the guy who drew Spawn and Philadelphia comes. <laughs> you, know, you guys are working something out here, I tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. 
you've chatted you've chatted about you know how much just how much you uh you love working with rodney and you love rodney's writing and and, and rightly so we totally agree with you but are there any creators out there who's you know in, in, in reading or whatever that you're that you're particularly enjoying other than other than rodney you know any anything that you're reading take your fancy over lockdown i got back into the large volumes of saga and i know brian's working on the next they're bringing it back um can you please give so, me some some information on that because my other half is the biggest saga fan in the world and she she looks at previews every single month looking for saga 55 and it's just not happening can, can you tell bkv to get a get a move on i'll do it i'll tell him we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get a go we 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 have drinks every once in a while at this little bar restaurant between us um and that we we meet up at it was, it was another one of those like realizing that he lived in my neighborhood and i'm like what um and so i'll uh i'll poke him for it <laughs> yeah, i mean don't don't make it sound threatening but tell him there's some boys in belfast that are looking for him <laughs> ryan and lemire i think would be really 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 fun to work with i like i like jeff lemire's like his pacing and his horror stuff it's just like every uh yeah, Jeff Lemire is one of those, like, when I read his books, you know, I'm, I'm always like, oh, that was wonderful. I wish I could have drawn it. <laughs> like, I, I really wanted, I wanted to experiment with his, like, slow pacing and all of that. But, um, uh, yeah, those guys I love reading. But when it comes to working on stuff, it's honestly, I'm kind of, like, working on the thing with Rodney. And then I, I mostly it's, it's all my, uh, my own stuff. I, I really missed my own worlds and my own characters, my own writing and, and that kind of a thing. Like, and that took me a minute because when I started writing again on Empty Zone, I've had all of this time with Rodney. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm going through all of this, like, you're not as good as Rodney. What are you doing writing now? And I was like, oh, no. Uh, and it took a minute to kind of come out with, like, no, uh, my own thing. I have my own, you know way of telling stories and he has his and you know and if i can ride both worlds that's, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh do you ever uh, do you ever think about uh taking a wee turn at uh doing some writing in philadelphia i don't think rodney would be thrilled <laughs> <laughs> maybe a special one-off issue or something like that there you go yeah i'll just take a character and go nuts with him on a on a one shot um, <laughs> I would love the idea of getting to script a a one shot like side story of of uh, you know Toppy or 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 Brittany or somebody like you know one of the one of the side vampires or even one of the like you know kind of cool vampires that hang around Abigail like I, I could write one of those guys but I mean uh, Rodney Rodney did lead us to believe that the world of Philadelphia may be expanding. Uh, you know, so you you know you never know, you never know, and I know. Oh well, we we don't know, <laughs> and you know, any anything you want to tell us, we're happy to hear. But uh, no pressure, no pressure. Oh, it's expanding, and it's going to expand this year. Oh wow! Uh, and yeah, I think I think everybody will see it's going to be expanding. I think within the next couple months. That's uh, that's um, awesome news. Awesome news. So we've been. been yeah, it's been exciting. Like he has, he has multiple projects that he's publishing, and I'm art directing, and 
and yeah, we have a couple of we have a couple of Philadelphia things, and so it's it's exciting. It's it's crazy to see the the world get bigger. Um, so it, yeah, this whole thing has just been a really it's been a fun ride, you know, like to, you know, next to Spawn, this is the longest I've stayed on a book. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, and I mean, continuing in, in that, in that direction, you know, on that, on that, that, that lengthy run, how was it collaborating with an industry legend like Todd McFarlane? And how did that run that, that collaboration come about? It, it empty zone brought it about. He, he was literally, you know, he likes, to hire within, you know, he likes image. And so he, he wanted a, uh, a horror, uh, horror movie vibe for spawn. And he came across empty zone. And I literally, I just got an email out of the blue, which I thought was a prank, but I, I just got an email out of the blue from Todd McFarlane, you know, Hey, your childhood idol, you want to come draw my book? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like who's fucking with me? And so then I, then I was like, I was like, yeah, sure. And, um, he wrote back and he was like, that's great. Here's my number. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I gave him my number and I, I wound up getting a call the next day and I saw it was from Arizona, which is where he's at. And I was like, this just isn't real. I don't understand who's messing with me. And I let it go. I was like, no, you're going to voicemail. I'm not messing with this. And I listened to the voicemail and I still didn't believe it because... Todd is the kind of guy who will, like, he when he's talking to you, when you answer the phone, he's, like, already in mid-sentence. Like, he's just talking. He's a talker. And he just jokes. Like, he doesn't really care. So I'm, like, listening to this voicemail, and he's like, hi, I'm looking for Jason Stud Alexander. I want somebody to teach me how to draw better. I'm like, who is messing with it was just, it was so weird. And I wound up calling him back. Like I was in a parking lot ready to, to go into a comic book store. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. See if this is real. And there it was. I was talking to Todd and he was just like, yeah, I love the work. I want to bring it to a horror vibe. And I was just like, this is nuts. Um, and he works, you know, he winds up, he works in like the, what they call the Marvel method, which means his scripts are roughly... Like, or roughly, I have two pages long. If, if that, like, you know, each he gives each page, and like, this is what happens on each page. And so, you know, and and because he liked what I did, uh, there was a there was an incredible level of freedom on that book. You know, for twenty six issues, I never even had to turn in layouts. Like, I just I would get the script, draw the book, turn it in. Boom, done and done. Like, you know, and each time he was just like, you know, he would school me sometimes on like, you know, in, like more impactful ways to introduce characters. He would, he would. And so I was like, I was getting storytelling schooled by McFarland still. And part of my brain was like, you don't need to tell me I've got. And then he would say it I'm like, oh, shit, that makes sense. That's <laughs> Maybe I'll just listen to you, <laughs> legend. Yeah, that, that guy that I was reading whenever I was a teenager, he might know a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is obvious looking at the fact that he's got, like, you know, Grammys and, and, and all of these, you know, and, and Emmy, uh, all these Emmys for Spawn, the animated series. And I was just, just like, why are you disagreeing with anything he says? <laughs> 
this is where I want to be. Uh, it was so it was it was great, and it was just very casual. He, especially near the end when he was you know inking a lot uh, of the of the stuff going toward three hundred, um, doing in these fill in things for Capullo. He would, we got to a point where he would just call, and you realize like this was just like a an inking call, like just shooting the shit while we're bored <laughs> inking buildings. <laughs> Because the whole time I was like, did you want something? And he was just talking. And I was like, oh. And we wound up just kind of like inking backgrounds and, you know, just shooting the shit. You know, just, so it, it just, you know, it was really cool to wind up getting uh, on a, to being on a, on a, like a friendly basis, you know. And he's helped, like, when we have books come out through Image and all that. And, and if things, communication's going slow, he's, he's stepped in a little bit here and there. And he's been, he's been incredible. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's rare that you're going to meet that that idol from when you were a kid and they don't disappoint. He's he's raised my expectations because I recently uh, sourced all of the issues of uh, Empty Zone for myself. So, uh, I mean, if this is the book that got you spawn, you know, hopes are high. Hopes are high. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm excited. Empty Zone is, is, uh, yeah, I did two arcs through Image. And this was me kind of coming back into comics from fine art in a in a very serious way, but kind of having forgotten a little bit on the comic side of things. Um, I've been so much a part of fine art that the industry itself on the comics thing. So MD's, the MD Zone arcs, the two of them through Image were struggle, like me going at it by myself. And, you know, my colorist uh, is in Spain and, you know, that kind of a thing. And so I'm like, it's just me thinking I'm just going to launch this thing. And, uh, and you know, 10 issues in and I was still just, I just couldn't do it all by myself. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just sinking here. So then I jumped over to do a, this book called Frostbite. And then I got on to do Spawn. And now after Philadelphia and all of that, I feel like I've, I've come back around and, and seeing like how to approach launching empty zone again and 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 really like because when i launch it i want it to be my ongoing for a while i want it to be my hellboy or my sin city you know i want it to be the you know i I think it has long-term potential yeah you've definitely worked with some fantastic writers i mean frostbite that was joshua williamson wasn't it yeah Yeah. I've been blessed in comics because I should, I like given the writers that I've worked with, I didn't deserve that. Like uh, I didn't really know a lot of Josh's work. Um, and I picked up Nailbiter when I, when I was first asked about the project. Um, when I did the escapist, you know, 12 years ago through dark horse, I genuinely thought because I had no idea who he was, that they had just gotten a new writer and they were giving some guy a, a shot. It was Brian Bond. It wasn't <laughs> until like the third issue of The Escapist that I looked him up and I was like, oh, shit. I actually read The Escapist um, recently as well, so I did. Oh, it's such a good story. And I was just, and I was so impressed with the writing. I was like, oh, what? maybe he has done something else. <laughs> um, I've worked. I've been. I've been very fortunate to work with those, you know, guys like that, and then especially with Rodney now. And so it's, yeah. Um, I've got. I've got. There's been some writers on there that have been that have always helped me. If it's a good script, like man, I love it when I get pushed, you know. And when I and when I push, it's not like, oh, all these crowd scenes. It's it's really like if there's an emotive scene, 
that's what gets me going. So I'm like, how are we going to take these floppy monthly things that are drawing out and, and make someone hurt? <laughs> like, how are we going to, like, the story is there. And so it really, like, I feel like we have this very short time with fans once a month. And so it, I, I try to, you know, I think we both just try to make it as impactful as possible. Um, and, you know, it's funny, like, there's so much action and brutality in Philadelphia, but, uh, but my, my wheelhouse comes from that. I like, I like talking heads and scene setting and, and that kind of, I like pacing and all the stuff I, you know, young people find boring. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we're living in a golden era for indie comics. You know, there's so much variety in the racks. And certainly at our store, we believe there's a comic for everyone. If you like a movie, we can find you a comic that you might like. You know, it's almost an expansion of the initial image comics boom or the vertigo period where every book was a hit. You'd already mentioned The Crow. What were some of the other indie books that you enjoyed or that influenced you growing up? It was there was there was come there was a company called North Star that would do a lot of horror anthologies. Dark Horse Presents was a big. I don't know if you remember that title. That yeah. thing was like my my open. Like every month we'd get black and white amazing stories. Sometimes it'd be Frank Miller. Sometimes it would be like be Arthur Adams. Like but the uh, uh, and then just going around the indie indie racks where you know everything from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to you know it, it's funny there was a. It was a book from Serious Entertainment that I wound up actually drawing at some point called Poison Elves. And it was kind of like the crow version of an elven story. Like they're all kind of goth elves. Um, but the guy still had like an Obar kind of vibe to him. And so I wound up like anything that was just like spattery, black and white, cross hatchy. Um, you know, th- like I said, those are the times I discovered guys like, you know, Bissett, Steve Bissett and uh, Wrightson and, and, uh, other really awesome horror people, and and just just chatting about that. I mean, it, it seems fairly clear to us that you're a wee bit of a fan of the horror genre. Would that be fair to say? A little bit. <laughs> and, and is it right in saying that you've got a wee bit of a background in, in visual effects as well? I want that was my first love before I discovered comics. I like my first idols were guys like Dick Smith and Tom Savini. And I wanted to go to Florida, to Florida, to this make makeup school. And I was like, "This is what I'm going to do. I'm just, I want makeup and gore, and I want to make all of that." And um, and even with liking things like uh, um, Spider Man and stuff like that, it was still fine. But once I once I saw the dark comics, once the horror comics came into being, I was just like, "What?" And I just <laughs> focused, and I was like, um, "But now, so now it's become more of like a." A hobby like I would like to take a class one summer or something like I you know anytime I can get away to start playing with sculpting or whatever you know I would like yeah yeah that's it's become more of the hobby special effects and makeup is I finally have a hobby I mean looking at the horror genre any any favorite horror movies tv shows comics for that matter anything really stick out it's in the horror movie genre. My favorite movie of all time that I think I'm always trying to hold myself to when it comes to my own writing is, is Jacob's Ladder. Uh, Jacob's Ladder, I think, is a perfect movie across the board. I think it hits every emotion. I think it's just, you know, and, and just the whole vibe of it. And aesthetically, like, between Jacob's Ladder and Dark City, I think film-wise, aesthetically, those are my jam. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just... 
Give me that freight, that Francis Bacon, you know, blurry, twitchy head thing, uh, and everything on Dark City. Good God, I just Proyas was on point. But the uh, and it's funny. I tell young people when they're talking about getting into comics or drawing them, I I say horror movies. I was like, watch horror movies. Phantasm Three is not the best movie in the world, but every shot is so perfectly geared to be emotionally unsettling. Like whether it's the composition, you know, shooting through these silhouettes of tools as somebody walks into a room in the back. Horror movies, every shot is meant to keep you on some level of emotion or suspense. And they and the really good ones, you know, really kind of keep that. And so I'm like, watch those. Look at how they compose their shots. Look at if look at the 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 slowness before there's like a pop, you know, or something scary. Like uh, so even just beyond I like horror, I think as a storytelling genre, it's just one of the best. I think everything in horror has to be firing on all cylinders all the time. You see something like A Quiet Place. I mean, good guy. Like, you could hear a pin drop in the theater. Like, there was just, you know, so when they, you know, I, I, like, I like to jump scare, and I, liked, uh, and I like it when it's just unsettling. I like, uh, I like all of it from, you know, movies like Audition. And I love I love anything that's you know coming back to like Jacob's Ladder. If if I could scare the hell out of an audience and make them cry in the same story, I feel like I've done everything I wanted to do. <laughs> I think you're doing that pretty well with Philadelphia. I have to say, I think you're doing that pretty pretty well. But uh, I mean, with regard to to comics and and horror, we've it's something that we've noticed increasingly, you know, on our on our previews podcast or reviews podcast, that increasingly there's more and more horror creeping into the comics. I mean, one of the one of the ones that's really standing out for us at the minute is uh, something is killing the children uh, from from Boom, which is is phenomenal, great great horror book. Uh, there's there's a fair few others as well on, aren't there? There's yeah, Silver Coin, as I say, just kicked off with uh, with a horror book. Obviously, we've already mentioned Philadelphia as well. But just every month, we, we always try and pick out our favorite titles we're looking forward to. And there's so much horror at the moment. And it's it, it's maybe, as you say, it's a more popular genre than people give it credit for. And it can be a more artistic genre than people give it credit for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, once you get past superheroes and, and spaceships out there, the next exciting visual genre is horror. So, you know, once you, unless there's a sci-fi book, like, you know, once you drop down from the superheroes, you know, visually, like, you know, horror is just, you know, it's on point. I, I just picked up Someone is Killing the Children. I haven't read it yet. I just picked up the first volume. Um, I'm very excited. Yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy that. You'll enjoy that. <laughs> I, I thought a lot of Infidel was really good. Yeah, uh, most mostly the first part. I mostly like I guess the first half. Um, I thought Infi- like the first probably three issues of Infidel. I thought were genuinely one of the creepiest things I'd held. And I was like, oh, this is this is kind of you know. Um, but the uh, I, I I love that all these horror books are coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Again, what else? You know, beyond superheroes, we got enough of those. I would highly, I, 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 highly recommend a graphic novel that Ram V released last year called Blue and Green, which is actually a perfect fusion of psychological horror and jazz music, and it is absolutely one of the best things you'll ever read. Uh, it was an original just, graphic novel. I just picked that one up as well. Yep. See, yeah, man of taste. Man of taste. There you are. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Glad to hear. I just I had just been talking to to him on Twitter um, about you know potentially trying to line up to do something together. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, that's uh, I can't wait. I can't wait to read that because I love the art. Uh, visually, it looks really cool, so I can't wait to jump into the story. Yeah, so he just I just picked up his Swamp Thing. I don't know. I haven't read oh, it yet. Yeah, excellent <laughs> first two issues. Yeah. 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 yeah very phenomenal. Much so. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Let, let us know what you think whenever you start something that's killing the children, and uh, whenever you read Blue and Green. Um, like from an, I know we just we just dissed superheroes there as we were talking about horror comics, but is there any are there any characters I suppose even outside of superheroics that you would be really jonesing to draw? You know, you drew you Spawn for so long, and you've 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 had your fingers in a lot of superhero pies, but is there anyone that you you haven't had a chance to have a go at that you'd really love to have a go at? Ghost Rider for Marvel would just be I would I feel like that character needs like I don't think he's I don't feel like he's been treated right since Texiera in the 90s <laughs> like agree um the uh i would love to do a ghost rider <laughs> like if dc came to me and said we have we're just going to give you a black label book like what do you want to you know write and draw i would and it sounds maybe bizarre but i would try to find a way to make a lobo and superman book if i don't if i don't get to draw a lobo professionally some point in my life i'm going to be very disappointed but then also like there's just something so um like I've I've no like I the rendering of Superman, I think it's just in my in my own head I had this this different level of approach I wanted to take to him, just these large, clean, big, beautiful shapes and, and all of that stuff. And I think like juxtaposed against uh, you know, all of the raunchy biker space dolphin loving things that Lobo is, like I would <laughs> I would just uh, and being, you know, uh, talking to Bisley so much lately with this variant cover, like I just, yeah, I would love to be able to put my 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 little touch. And he's another guy I don't think has been done well since the '90s. Uh, Lobo, uh, Superman two, four. <laughs> <laughs> two two things there. Uh, Ed Breeson had a had a Ghost Rider series out from Marvel last year. It only ran for seven or eight issues, but it was a nice job. Highly recommend yeah. it. And. Whenever you're talking about Black Label and horror, uh, The Last God by Philip Kennedy Johnson came out on Black Label last year. It was a like a high-octane, high-action fantasy horror series, and uh, it was dark. Well worth, a, well worth a look. Well worth a look. Nice. Those are the guys that I would love to just play with. Yeah, those are, it'd be fun. Yeah, and uh, one to keep an eye out for, just again, we were talking about upcoming horror stuff. Uh, there's one coming out called The Nice House on the Lake, which is uh, Tinian, who's done Something is Killing the Children. He's writing for DC Black Label, so another one to keep an eye out for. But uh, I think. Is it not out? No, it's due out in May, I believe. Uh, yeah, May, okay. May or June, I think. So. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll start to wind down. I think that the best way certainly to finish off this chat is by, you know, focusing solely on Philadelphia. So, you know, we, we, we've talked obviously already about, you know, how much you enjoy Rodney's scripts and, you know, how your art style is a perfect match for that. You know, how did you guys actually meet, you know, and, and how did you get to know Rodney? It was through a weird third party. <laughs> there was a book called, there was a book being put together called Tone. And this was a uh, as a large 11th by 17 art book that was going to have either you know images or whatever. Basically, it was the I guess funny now because it was it was the theme for the book was vampire, uh, and I didn't like I didn't care about vampires, 
but I had to like write my own little five page story and illustrate it because it was going to be this big, huge, big, you know, uh, I didn't realize that I don't know how Rodney had started, uh, how he had met the producer of this book. Um, but the guy producing the book was getting non-comic book people to interview the comic book artist that did the short. For some reason, he put us together. And so I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be interviewed by this guy named Rodney Barnes who wrote the boondocks. I'm like, why is he interviewing me? I'm like, but then I was also like, you know, I, a huge fan of boondocks. So I'm like, well, this is rad. I, I, all right, this is cool. Um, apparently there were a few paintings that the guy showed Rodney that made him like my stuff and wanted to interview me. And so we, we literally just went from this one. He, so it's funny. Our first real interaction was he interviewed me. <laughs> um, and then we just kind of started talking from that point. I think that introduced him to my work. And then he was, you know, like, Oh my gosh, now I had, like, he, he wanted to write comics forever. And I feel like, them putting us together put him in touch finally with somebody that could start making that happen. Um, and it did, it took a long time, like between us just kind of feeling each other out and meeting and just and chatting and figuring out each other. Uh, you know, because then, especially when he pitched me Philadelphia over dinner, you know, vampires, like, oh, okay, vampires. And he's like, oh, this, this, and this. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. And each time, could I say it, it took multiple dinners? Because you're talking, 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 and then it's like, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, President John Adams and the Founding Fathers, and I was like, you record scratch. <laughs> every time I'm like, God, man, Ronnie, every time I get so excited about dark stuff, and then you say, like, oh, they're the presidents. And I'm just like, every time I'm like, he, he's one, he, he was like, you know, everything's been done, everything, but he's like, it's the individual, like, it's the individual story like it's like let let's see let me show you what i can do with it basically and so he he finally kind of gave me and i don't know if you know the show but he he referenced the series as a great cross between hamilton the musical bram stoker's dracula and sanford and son and so that won me over he sent me the script and it had every one of those elements in it and all of a sudden the president thing made sense and I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God, if you can connect these things and if you can make this work and then the ending to that first issue, I'm like, I'm on board. Once the ending to that, once I read the ending of that first issue, I was like, oh, this is this is something like, you know, it really felt like it was, I was like, this is going to be something special. Like, because this is just this is some good horror with some family levity, <laughs> you know, some social commentary, too. Yes, I, I love it. I love he. he he dips in and like, and he's constantly editing. One of the fun parts is I get to read unedited scripts. So I get, Rodney definitely writes his scripts with a lot of words, like a lot of descriptions and stuff. And he asked me if I wanted less or more or whatever. I told him is, is the more he wants to give me, the more I can just translate and it helps me get his, you know, thing out better. Yeah, I think it would be uh, um, unfair not to mention louis nct's color work on the book as well you know it's it is exceptional and, and a personal highlight for me and i come back to it every time when i think about Philadelphia's issue eight you know which is my personal favorite issue you know between the city landscapes on fire the attack at the concert sangster senior's journey through the afterlife and the couple reunited walking through the 
endless fields of flowers like it's really stunning to look at and and you'd mentioned as well before about wanting to get that emotion through as well as the horror so it, it was just a perfect perfect issue how, how did they come on board the the project is is that someone you work with quite consistently someone who brings the best out of your art yes louise has he was my we we met up and i i hired him initially for empty zone uh through image and he was just one of the best guys coloring that, that had done color on my work. And so I brought him on to frostbite at vertigo, uh, and just kind of, you know, he, he, we can talk to each other really easily. It's just working with him is, is awesome. And he's so talented. Uh, uh, he benefits the work. And so even, even when I'm sending him screwy pages, he winds up adapting really well because issue eight, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like that's absolutely one of my favorite issues because I felt like issue eight was uh, showing that Philadelphia is more of a vertigo book than than any you know than other kinds of you know like there's it's not just vampires in history. Like we're going into you know the afterlife. We're going we're and where Philadelphia is going to go. It just shows more and more that it's more like a Sandman book versus you know a typical horror horror kind of. Thing. And so when I send Louise like half painted pages of fields of lilies and, and lavender flowers and all of that stuff. And I'm like, and it's literally the only painted page on the page and the rest of it's like black and white line art. I'm like, Hey, make this work. Yeah. I, I, I have a blast with, with, I, I draw all the, the majority of like blood. Cause I love, I want to get like realistic, uncomfortable blood spatters, not comic book blood spatter. And so, like, but I'm always sending him half color pages, and so he's like, "Here, man," and and he really he he makes them all sing. Uh, yeah, he's he's been with me for a lot of years, so I hope he sticks with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, just a great, uh, a great synergy, a great team, fantastic team. The and 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 the, the result is is right there to see. So, we okay. we sort of. We understand that uh, that uh, there are some options, some TV options on uh, on Philadelphia, and uh, there's been uh, Rodney told us a little bit about about that. Is that you know if that comes to pass, and, and we certainly hope that it does, is that something that you'll have a visual input into? Do you think or? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Rodney Rodney is also a part of the writing of of when 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 TV or or whatever happens, and so. Yeah, we're we're discussing and like as things you know move move along. The I'm learning you know the Hollywood process. I makes me understand why uh, I like comics. Todd, you know, Todd said basically the same thing. He was just like, "Oh my God, all these Hollywood people in the meetings." And I was like, "Man, there's nothing beats just sitting down and making your own story." You know, like so many so many you know hands in the pot. You know when you're doing film and stuff. So I'm, I'm seeing everything inch along, uh, on that process. And, and, um, but yeah, Ronnie is very much a part of it, proactive in it and moving that one forward. And, and I'm kind of like writing it along and, and trying to learn and, and, you know, so where he has, you know, had to kind of come up, you know, and meet me on the comic side, like I'm, I'm actively trying to come up and meet him on the, the film side. Like, there's, there's part of me that would definitely, uh, I think I'm going to be drawing comics probably until my last days. But the, uh, but if I, you know, if I get the chance to direct 
at, at some point. I, that would be a blast. I love I love directing my mo the models when I'm shooting them for the comics, and I love drawing them and setting up the shots. And uh, there's a lot there's a lot to be able to do and play with and explore. Um, but it, inevitably, it, it you know I'm always going to be making that core source material. I have a, a horror graphic novel that I've been scripting for the last ten years. I've you know the new empty zone series, and I want to start releasing these all starting next year. So. Um, I just love making comics and stories, but yeah, if I get to play like with painting and, and doing gallery work, you know, if I, um, if I get to really kind of inject myself in the Hollywood thing for a little while, I think that would be a blast. But I look at it that way. I'm not like, you know, I'm not dependent on it. I love what I'm doing. And so if I get to just play in somebody else's, you know, playground for a minute, that'd be fun. Could you maybe get a little cameo in the show and be a bouncer in the background, similar to Rodney and his experience on Blade? That'd be amazing. <laughs> be amazing to be the white guy in Philadelphia. <laughs> well, I suppose that leads to the question, you know, do you think it'll be a faithful, a, a very faithful adaptation for the TV show? Yes. You know, yeah. Because that's always, that's always yeah. the, the rub, isn't it? You look at something like The Walking Dead and obviously the, the base elements are the same, but different characters do different things or last... You know, it's almost about surprising your comic book audience, but, you know, Philadelphia to us is so cinematic and, and you know, it just, just don't change it. Just, just adapt it. <laughs> just, I've, I've read the pilot script that Rodney has written and it's absolutely wonderful. Philadelphia fans are going to love it. People that don't know Philadelphia are going to love it. Uh, it feels like, you know, it's, it feels like the world, but expanded, you know. I, I, I'm going to stop before I say anything too far on that one. But it, the the pilot is, is, as far as wondering about faithful, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's amazing, be fantastic, yeah. Um, and um, uh, I mean, with regard to that, we'll not we'll not push you on it. But any dream casting for the project? No, uh, I, um, <laughs> that goes just far enough beyond my level of concern. <laughs> where I <haven't> even... <laughs> I, I've passed to things in my mind of like empty zone and things like that. But when it's Philadelphia, like I, uh, it's so, it's funny. Like I really haven't, I would, I, I would can't wait for like the TV series and all of that, but I'm, I'm so invested in trying to make this source material just the absolute best. Like really so much of the other stuff just flies by. Um, yeah, I don't have a single, <laughs> single thought on it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I uh, not not a one um, because I also you know stink with actors' names and things like that. So I'm like that guy from that movie um, would be great, like you know Creed, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you do have some thoughts. Um, you do have some thoughts. <laughs> I, I do on JJ JJ uh, Junior. He's probably my only guy that yeah I would I would love to see him, cool. but that guy, cool. uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Good. I have to ask: Do you have the same terrible addiction that Rodney admitted to, which is buying endless comics every week but not really reading any of them? Wait, the same what? The same uh, terrible addiction that he has. So Rodney was telling us when we chatted to him, he every Wednesday he goes to the comic book store. I think it's Neil Adams comic book store. He he uses as his local, and I uh, picks up a stack of twenty five books and he bags and boards them and he brings them home. 
and then they just sit in the pile in his office. He doesn't actually read them, but he's he says he's so addicted at this point he just has to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not anymore. No, um, I used to be, and I used to be that, but no, not not anymore. I've become a pretentious ass, and like so, I, I there's very few comics that I even walk away with when I do go to the shop. I do love the shop. I I go almost religiously every Wednesday. I just don't walk out with much sometimes, but I'm always there because I'm always looking. I'm always, I'm always just, I just want to see something that gets me excited. You know, like sometimes I'm supporting friends books. Anytime I can support like, a, you know, it's, it's nice to also be friends and fans of guys like, you know, Eric Powell and, and Mike Norton and, uh-huh. you know, the goon and, and all the stuff that the Albatross does. Like you huge know, hillbilly fan. Yeah. Yes. And and Eric, I've known him for you know, twenty you know, twenty five years. We all came out of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do I go every time and I'm I'm like a kid every time because I just when it is something that piques my interest, I'm giddy. I'm like fifteen again and I'm I'm walking home with my one little comic in the little red bag and I'm just, you know, excited to read it when I get there. I don't bag and board anything because that's pointless for, for me. <laughs> that's, uh, that's lovely to hear. That's, that's lovely to hear. So finally, between yourself and, and Rodney, who is more like Sangster Jr. and who is more like Sangster Sr.? Oh, that's pretty much, that's a fairly straightforward translation. Uh, when I, the last couple of issues I, I read, uh, I, I called Rodney and I was like, so Sangster is just you now? so so the way that he definitely quits being um polite to his son is uh there's there's just a lot of cadence and a lot of docking that i can see you know he's not gearing it that way but yeah i would be jj he's sangster he's always i'm always trying and he's always slapping it down Well, uh, you're you're clearly a very busy man. You you've given up so much of your time so far, and we generally appreciate it. We just we just have two questions to finish. We think these will be right up your wheelhouse to finish off. So, th- this one this is a Keith creation, which I'm I'm really curious to hear the answer to. So, given your given your your horror movie fandom, if you were in a horror movie, if you were a character in a horror movie, what would your accessory of choice be? What kind of horror movie? Like a slasher or something out to get you kind of a thing? You tell me. Oh, my God. The problem is, is it's a good question. And I really want to have a good answer. Because <laughs> I suck at shooting. Guns are pointless for me. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think of, like, yeah, an accessory. I appreciate it. You know what? My favorite accessory, because I saw it get used in multiple fashions, has to be the uh, that I would that I would prefer See the cabin in the woods, the guy who had the bong and that would shrink down into a coffee cup. Then you get, I mean, and I believe that he smacked somebody with it at some point. And I was like, this, I would want that. I, I would want to be able to hurt the bad things with my device. And if I could also smoke out of it, bonus. Perfect. <laughs> Good answer. And then we always like to finish off these interviews by just asking if you have a favorite DC title of all time, a favorite Marvel title of all time. And a favorite indie title of all time? Marvel, it would probably just have to be Spider-Man because that one just, you know, blew me out of the water. DC, no, 
Uh, Lobo. Um, uh, Lobo's paramilitary Christmas special uh, is, is a lovely thing DC did. Uh, I mean, beyond things like, you know, Arkham Asylum and, and Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> um, All the classics. Yeah, the class. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of new uh, loves, I guess. I'm old. <laughs> so You're in good company. And what was the other one? The, oh, just uh, a, just an indie these... title, whether it be Vertigo or Image or just one that really stands out. I mean, my answer has never changed for this in, you know, 15 years now. Why the Last Man is my, you know, my go-to, so. Nice. My, one of my absolute favorite series uh, on, on every level. Story, the art transitions and of that was uh, the, the second maybe volume. The Shade the Changing Man. The one Chris Bucciolo, but yeah, that he uh, if if anybody you know hearing this goes back and looks at that from issue one to issue thirty five, you see a full trans uh, transformation of an artist's style. Uh, he starts off being very realistic and very horror based, and then you see him actually become the Chris Bucciolo that did Death, The High Cost of Living, and all that stuff. Um, wow. You see his style change over those issues, and his style when he really hit it at that in, at you know near the end of that run before going off to do death, that it, it blew me away for a, for a long time. I would really try to see what he was doing. I still use things like uh, 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 fisheye lenses and curved buildings and stuff like that, and that's all him. Um, but yeah, the shade the changing man run was. Uh, is easily one of my favorites. Nice, nice. Awesome. Well, uh, again, we'd like to thank you once again. It has been a pleasure, Mr. Jason Sean Alexander. Thank you. I, I hope you can edit this to make me sound smarter than maybe what I can. <laughs> <laughs> that will. <laughs> there not be a lot of editing needed. It was an absolute, an absolute pleasure to chat to you tonight, Jason. Thank you very much for uh, for for taking the time. Um, Philadelphia, Alan, coming up, uh, so, coming up in the store. Yeah, so Philadelphia Volume One and Volume Two trade paperbacks are available in store now, and they they've become one of our stock titles. We we have in our store what I like to call stock titles that always remain on the shelves. As soon as they sell out, they're they're straight back in. You know, Saga is one of those. Deadly Class is one of those. Philadelphia is one of those. So uh, we will have it in stock at all times, people. Uh, you can also find many of Jason's other work with Dorning Our Shelves and Philadelphia Returns with issue 13 in May of this year. And that is a wrap. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.